Praise the Lord, everyone. Let's say that again. Praise the Lord, everyone. Man, this is a great day to be alive, isn't it? Okay, there's 12 of us that think it's a great day to be alive. I think it's a great day. And you say, well, well, Pastor, why do you think it's such a great day? Have you not watched the news? I try not to. It scares me. It's just too depressing. So, no, but, but you look at the news, you look at the world, you look at everything around you, you think, man, why are you so happy about being alive today, right now? Wouldn't you rather be alive in the 50s or 60s? I remember those days, 60s. You know what we did for, uh, for a nuclear blast? We hid under our, our desk at school. That was so smart. Can you imagine, you know, you say, well, why, why are you so happy about being alive today? And I'm going to tell you why. Because we're the church. And God has allowed us. Do you realize that God doesn't make mistakes? That every, nothing, nothing goes by him and he says, well, I didn't see that. God doesn't make mistakes. That means you are not a mistake. And you are part of the body of Christ in this day and in this hour. That means that God sees something in you that he knows that you have the ability, you have the fortitude, you have the strength, you have the power, you have the glory of God in you to take this world and as it gets darker, you get brighter and you can turn your world right side up for Jesus Christ because he said greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Now, I, this is not in the notes, but I'm going I'm to let it fly. Here it goes. I believe, I believe that I, I am just really tired of the church trying to look like the world, trying to act like the world, trying to talk like the world in, in order to get people to come to the church. The church is the people of God. It's you and I. And if we really want to make a significant difference, if we really want to see something happen in our lives and the lives around us, then we need to quit following the world and start following Christ and when we start following Christ great things happen and you say what you build great things you do great things you know by the way I really really loved all the Christmas cards this year all of my Christmas cards are still sitting at the house ready to be written out In fact, I told Nancy I was going to write them out this week and say, I, I'm the first one for 2022. <laughs> You'll get yours really early. But I received one this week. It was really great. And, and by the way, before I get on to that, um, I loved all of the, the gifts and the candy and, and, and everything else. You guys are so awesome. You're so amazing. And, 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 and I'm still eating some of the candy, although I'm eating it in secret because it's getting smaller batches and I'm hiding it uh, no but I got a card this week and it was really incredible I opened it up and I thought okay well snail mail you know came from out of state and, and it was from a, a, a dear friend of ours and, and in it was a, a, a letter and I thought okay well they're going to give me an update on the family all of that you know how you get those and they're really pretty cool but anyway he opened it up and it's a letter and he just started talking about Years ago, 
he was going through a real difficult time in his life. And he thanks me for offering him a hand up. And to be honest, I never, I, I just saw a friend and, you know, what do you do with friends? You, you, you help them. And, you, and, and he began to speak about all the things that it meant to him. And it helped me understand that being the church is not about building giant cathedrals or, or anything amazing and magnificent. It's doing the little things that make a great impact. See, people in general, we kind of tend to, to remember the big stuff, right? Like, like who was, who's the number one gold medal winner of all time in the Olympics? Remember? Michael Phelps. He has 28 medals, 23 gold medals. Won eight in one Olympics. Isn't that incredible? Who came in second? See, we, we have a tendency to believe that if something's bigger, something's greater, something's huge, something's amazing, that, it's, that that's where it's happening, that that's where it's working. Because, you know, and you look at, like, big businesses and say, man, they're on top of it, they're going, they're doing it. Because you can look at Amazon, you can look at uh, Google, you can look at Enron. And if you don't remember Enron, they look big, they look great, but they weren't. See, we have a tendency to look at that in the spiritual matters as well. Well, we look at that, uh, that if there's more people, then, then that's great. And if there's more money, if it's bigger ministries, bigger buildings, bigger programs, greater talent, all of those things. And then we say, that's, that must be where God is. But that, those are not indicative of the presence of God, nor are they indicative of the Spirit of God. See, we tend to think opposite of small things. We, we kind of think that God can't work through small churches or lesser talent or fewer programs. Because God can't do it. And I'm not saying th things that are big are, are bad. I'm just saying we kind of have a tendency to dismiss anything that's small. And if it's not big, it, it, God must not be in it. But I'm here to tell you today that God uses small things to do great feats. Many of us think that, that, that are about our own lives and our ministry, that we're not smart enough to solve the problems and we're not important enough to listen for anybody to listen to us. But I remember a, a uh, little servant of, of Naaman's wife that, that her voice, her small voice, changed Naaman forever. Years ago, in, in the in the first first church alliance church that Nancy and I were had the privilege of pastoring, and uh, we were we were growing and we were planning and we had our, our planning strategies and everything else, and we got everybody together and we were organizing. By the way, happy birthday, Julie! Today's Julie's birthday. Happy birthday! Um, just thought I'd throw that in there to embarrass her because I just like doing that. Uh, but we were we were having all these strategies about building and we were having some good growth some moderate growth and, and then this single mom came up and said pastor and I said what you have to you have to remember this this single mom I would get to the church early and you ever you ever walk into a room and you feel like somebody's been there 
uh, I, I was doing that, I, was, I found out that her husband was abusing her and her, and her child, and they, so she was coming down sleeping in the nursery. And, but she came to me, she said, we need, we need a program for, for girls in the middle of the week. I said, okay, that's great. So she started off small. It was insignificant. So we were out building big programs and great programs and, and these, all these amazing ministries, and we were focusing all of our money and effort and energy right over here. And here she was, and we gave her like you know, 12 bucks and 50 cents. And, and within like three months, it was the biggest ministry in the church. And families started coming. Don't ever disqualify your dreams don't disqualify your dreams even if the pastor doesn't see them fully not me I see everything perfectly <laughs> but just hang on to those dreams because God uses small things to accomplish great feats and, and Jesus gave us, a, it pointed this out in, in Luke chapter 13. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And notice that when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, he never really t defines it. He always gives parables. He gives analogies. He gives comparisons to, to what the kingdom of God is like. <coughs> and, because most people in his day were looking for a physical kingdom. They were looking for a man of war, a, a king, a valiant king to ride in on his, uh, on his white steed and, and be able to proclaim that, that Israel was going to be the number one kingdom and take over everything. And Jesus had a different thought. Let's read it, if you would. <coughs> I think I've got the cough from Sam. Then Jesus said, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed. Oh, which a man took and planted in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour. Now, how many bakers do we have in here? Are your ovens big enough to hold 60 pounds of flour? Of all fl of flour until it worked through all the dough. Here's what Jesus is trying to help us understand. And we, sometimes we, 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 get, we get lost in, in the shuffle on this. Jesus is trying to help us understand that, that the kingdom of God, if, you, if it starts small, it's going to end big. It doesn't really matter how small it is. It's the smallest seed. The, the, the mustard seed is the smallest seed sown in the first century, and it became a proverbial term for anything that was small. Oh, that's a grain of mustard seed. Jesus said if you had faith, the grain of a mustard seed. And he was saying, if you just have an insignificant amount, you can do amazing things. The yeast, small amount. Not dry yeast, but a 
a part of a batch from the day before that they would mix in with the with the dough and that and that would permeate through it and then the next day they would take it apart and put it in there and what Jesus was saying it just takes a little bit to infect the whole batch all you need is a small and Jesus Jesus says it's it's important to understand that that in spiritual matters that I can use small things to accomplish great feats. Abraham, one man, built a nation. David slew a giant. David, the youngest son, out there tending sheep, goes and, and looks at the, the, the army of the Philistines and sees a guy more than likely about 9'6". That's pretty tall, don't you think? When the average person was about 5'4". And he was 9'6". How would you like to fight somebody that's head almost hits a basketball rim? The guy was big. And God used a small boy to destroy the hubris of a nation. Jesus used five loaves, and we don't, it, it wasn't rainbow or sunbeam bread. They were little loaves. Five little loaves and two fish. And he fed over 5,000. He took a widow's oil and flour, which was just enough for one meal. And it lasted and lasted and lasted and lasted. God took a child born in a manger and saved the world. See, God uses small things to do great stuff. God uses the things that, are, that we consider sometimes too small or too insignificant to, to really even matter. But I want to encourage you today, don't look at yourself and don't look at your abilities as being insignificant. God can take what you have and where you are and do amazing things through your life if you just give it to him. This is what 1 Corinthians 1, 27 says. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. I love that, that, that phrase. I'm a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised, God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. God uses, the scripture says, the foolishness of preaching to save the lost. There's something about God's word when somebody gets up and proclaims the word of God, not their thoughts, not their ideology, not their theology, but the very word of God. There's something about the word of God when spoken, it, it connects with the faith that's in somebody's heart and they realize this is from God. It may be coming from another mouth, but it is the word of God and it can transform you and save your life. 
God uses seemingly insignificant people to accomplish significant tasks. He used Ananias to pray for Paul. Never did we hear from Ananias again. But he had that one task, that, that one thing that the Lord spoke to him and said, go pray for Paul. Can you imagine if the Lord told you to go pray for somebody that you know has been persecuting Christians and throwing them in prison? And then he says, go pray for them. I wonder what Ananias felt. And yet here's Ananias, and he was willing to go. And because he did that one thing, he went and prayed. You ever gone and prayed for somebody? We don't know the importance of the small things that God asks us to do. God uses weak things to defeat the strong. He used four lepers to destroy, to bring down, and bring revival to God's people. We must be willing to do the small, insignificant tasks in ministry if we are going to accomplish anything for God. Ministry simply means service to others, and all of us are ministers to God. Ministry means rolling up your sleeves and, and doing the work that seems unimportant to the world. I thank God every day that when I came to faith in Christ, my pastor, Reverend Lumpkin, was a man that was not too important to do the small things. That if there was a, if there was a latrine or a toilet that was needed to be unstopped, even though he was the uh, pastor and the district superintendent all at the same time, he didn't send somebody else. He just found whatever he needed and went and fixed it. And he lived by example. And, and I love that about that man, that, that he was able to show us, not just by word, but through deed, how important it is to serve other people. No matter how important we think we are, no matter how significant we think we are in the world, if we're too busy to help somebody else, then we are just too busy. If we're too important to stop and lend a hand, then, we're, then in our own mind we are too important. We have to get to the place that we realize that the reason why that we are here, the reason why we are the church, we are the called out, we are the ecclesia, is to love one another and to turn the world right side up for Jesus Christ. And we do that by one good deed at a time, by one word of encouragement at a time by one prayer at a time you don't have to go win the world it's the small things that make a difference it's the acts of kindness it's the gestures of generosity many abandon or give up on the small ministry opportunities because they perceive themselves as either too small or or too important. But the scripture says where, where Jesus talked about the mustard seed and about the, about the dough that, that was with the yeast, he was simply saying, if you really want to be effective, you have to plant yourself. 
See, the mustard seed was planted in the garden and it was nourished and took care of. If that mustard seed would have never been put in the soil, it would have never grown. And if the yeast would have never been put in the flour, that flour would have remained as it was. But when you're planted or when you're, in, when you're implanted in something, you have an opportunity to make a difference. Number one, if you really want to do something for God, if you really want to be the church, don't start by saying, oh, I'm going to wait until I can fast for a week, and then I'm going to pray for four hours a day, and then I'm going to be spiritual enough to go out and do something. Just plant yourself where you are. Whether it's at work, at your house, in your community, plant yourself and allow yourself to be involved in where you're at and begin to allow the kingdom of God that's in you to permeate the environment around you. Plant yourself. Die to self. God brings great trees out of small seeds. And God can do the same thing for you and I. And he says, affect those around you. Let me ask you a question. Who are the last five Heisman Trophy winners? The last five Miss Americas. Can you name ten people that have won the Nobel? See, these aren't, these aren't second-rate achievers, but they're the best in their field. And yet... We don't know them. We can't remember them because applaud fades and awards tarnish and achievements are forgotten. Accolades are buried with their owners. Let me ask you something else. Can you name a teacher who inspired you? Can you name a friend that helped you in difficult times? Can you name a person that mentored you in something that's worthwhile in your life? Can you name somebody that makes you feel appreciated and special? See, these people that, that you're thinking of right now, these, these teachers that are inspired and these friends and these people that are in your life, you know their names and you're thinking of their names. And I guarantee you they're not actors, they're not sports figures, they're not politicians. They're people that planted themselves and invested in your life. It's the ones that have the biggest hearts that define us. Mother Teresa said we can do no great things, only small things with great love. I wonder, I just wonder sometimes, and, and I'm getting ready to close here, and that's not the pastoral thing of you have 15 minutes left, um, but what if, we, what if all of us devoted ourselves to doing small things really well? In, in the cover uh, story of September 2006 in, in Fast Company, the magazine, they said that, that if everybody would take one, one CFL, or integers, integer, energy, rather, saving light bulb, and replace one of their incandescents with just one. With just one. If everybody in America did that, we would save, we would use 75 to 80% less energy. We could, 110 million homes in America 
used one bulb, it replaced one bulb, that would be enough to power one and a half million people. That's all the homes in Delaware and Rhode Island together. If every house in America would replace one. I wonder what would happen if, if every one of us acted on the small things that God puts in our lives every single day. Man, if we could make that difference with a light bulb, I wonder what, what we could do with the power of God in our lives. If we just did one small thing. Can you imagine if all Christians devoted themselves to doing the small things for God? Can you imagine the difference? And, and I would encourage you, don't wait for somebody else to start. Be the one that starts the chain reaction. It's like that, that, that ripple effect. When you throw a stone into a pond, you get one ripple, then another one, and then another one, and then another one. It's a ripple effect because the ocean itself is made up of single drops of water. One person touching another person, touching another person. And each and every one of us have a golden opportunity Every single day to say an encouraging word, to pray for somebody that's down, to send a note of encouragement, to bless somebody, to share the gospel. There are so many ways every single day. And you say, but, but nobody sees them. God does. I don't know, in, in 1941, I don't know if you ever heard of Nicholas Winton. He was a 20 something year old um, banker and he was living he was living in England and, and he was going to go on a uh, on a holiday to to Switzerland to go skiing but a friend of his in Czechoslovakia said hey would you come over here and help us so instead of going skiing he went to go help his friends in Czechoslovakia and this is right before World War II so this 20 I believe he's 29 year old banker gets over to Czechoslovakia and I believe they're in Prague and, and, they, and he looks around and he sees that, that the occupation is already taking place, that Germany is already coming in and they're already persecuting Jewish people and it breaks his heart. So he starts something and it was called the kinder transport. In other words, it was just a child, a child transport and he he alone was able to be able to get 669 children out of Czechoslovakia, mostly Jewish young men and women, before Hitler came in and dominated and took over. It went unnoticed for 50 years. And in 1988... There, you, if you, I would encourage you to, to go on YouTube and watch this video. It's amazing. In 1988, the man is sitting in a, in a movie in, in, a, in a place, and they have a, a lady that's talking to him. It's on a TV show called That's Life. And he's sitting there with, you know, with, in a whole uh, auditorium with people, and, and they start talking about, about him about Nicholas Winton. And they, and they said, I was going through this, this, this uh, scrapbook of his, and I noticed, here's a list of all of these young men and women that he was able to save. And they said, and this lady is here. And then, he said, and then the lady that was running the interview said, 
did you, and there she is right there. And she said, did you know that you're sitting next to the man that, that got you out? And you can see them turn toward one another in the tears from that old gentleman. And then she does something that's absolutely amazing. She said, if there's anybody else that was affected by Nicholas Winton, would you stand? And the entire audience stands. They had reached out to all of those children that he had helped rescue. And they were standing there. And it's one of those videos that when you watch it, you will break out into tears. He had no idea. He was just doing something where he was with what he had and was able to rescue 669 people from the clutches of Nazi Germany. It made me think of when we get to heaven. You know, and you've heard the story of, of the person that's gone to heaven and Jesus said, look behind you and there's this multitude of people behind her and he says because of the kindness that you showed they turned their lives to me I encourage you to watch that, that video but I want to remind you people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and if all of God's people would begin to do the small things. The things that we can do. It's the small things that have the greatest impact. It's, it's a ragtag group of ex-slaves walking around a wall that brought the most fortified city down to its knees. It's... it's a bunch of slaves that are up against the Red Sea and God sends them through all time and time and time again through recorded history God uses these seemingly small and insignificant things to transform the lives of people and it's only because somebody was willing to do something that seemed insignificant let me ask you, what insignificant thing can you do this week? Sam, would you come? John chapter 21. Jesus is crucified. Peter and the other disciples, they say, hey, we're going to go what we used to do. And they went fishing. So while they're out fishing, Jesus is over there on the shore and, he's, and he has fish ready for them. And when they discover who it is, they jump out of the boat, swim to him. And while they're eating and talking, Jesus looks at Peter, knowing that Peter is going to be the representative on the day of Pentecost. Knowing that the birthday of the church, that this guy, the one that just denied him three times, was going to be the spokesperson that was going to, to be the one that was going to preach, that was going to bring over 3,000 souls that first day. 
And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, I want you to tear that mountain down. In fact, Jesus didn't ask Peter to do anything amazing or colossal or death-defying. He just looked at Peter, and he said something that I think each and every one of us can do. He said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know I love you. And he said this, feed my sheep. He asked him three times. I don't want you to do anything else. I just want you to feed my sheep. I want you to take care of my, my, my flock. Can you do that, Peter? Do you love me enough to do that? I think the day, today, right now, the Lord is speaking to our hearts and saying, you know I love you. And, you, and I know we love him. And the only thing he's asking of us is not to build great cathedrals and it's not, not to do death-defying feats. It's just to feed those that are around us. To speak life and hope and spiritual truth into their lives. And do it with great 